to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks, y'all. Well, again, good morning. Welcome to RPC. It's so good to be in worship with you this morning. As you know, today is kicking off our program year, so we're going back to our four services, 8, 15, 9, 30, 10, 45, which you obviously know about, and then our 11 o'clock service. And I want to remind you that uh, at 9.30, we have a Hispanic, uh, Spanish-speaking congregation that's meeting in the historic sanctuary, La Familia de Dios. Um, I went over there and I exhausted my Spanish with them. I said, buenos dias. And then they thought I spoke Spanish and they were sadly mistaken. I was like, that's all I got. You know? my, my Spanish teacher was arrested in high school. So that's a whole, that, that's true. It's a whole story for another sermon day. But um, but we want to welcome those folks. So if you're coming in, uh, they, they might be leaving around 1045, so welcome them uh, to RPC. It's really uh, a special t- thing that we can serve them, welcome, be hospitable, so they can worship uh, in the historic sanctuary. Also want to remind you that next Sunday, August 13th, immediately following the 1045 and 11 o'clock service, up in the sanctuary we have a congregational meeting We're going to receive the nomination from the associate pastor nominating committee, their candidate to be the next associate pastor for congregational care here at RPC. We'll hear their name. Then we will vote to call them. Uh, It's confidential right now. That's why we can't uh, disclose the name because this person hasn't told their congregation that they will be leaving. So we're super excited about welcoming uh, them. And so we need to vote on that. And then immediately following that, we're going to have our kickoff party out on the mimosa side of the church. We have like three food trucks, a band. It's going to be a fantastic time. We'll have games, kids, family, bring your friends. It'll be really fun uh, to celebrate all that God is doing here at RPC together. Well, I'm a little sad today because it is our final sermon in our summer sermon series, Animated. We're going to look again at Proverbs 24 and focus in on the movie Finding Nemo. I hope you've enjoyed this series as much as I have, um, but it's going to be fun to conclude today. So listen for the word of the Lord. Proverbs 24, verses 15 and 16. Do not lie in wait like an outlaw against the home of the righteous. Do no violence to the place where the righteous live. For though they fall seven times, they will rise again. But the wicked are overthrown by calamity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we ask that you might be our teacher, that you might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak. Lord, you might teach us about this theme of risk and risk-taking. Lord, may you illuminate and shine a light on our lives. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Whether we like it or not, life is full of risks. There's a Chinese proverb that says, one cannot refuse to eat just because there is a chance of being choked. Risk is an inherent part of human life. If you take a job, there's a chance and a risk that one day you might be fired. If you ask someone on a date, especially in 
my life, there is a chance she may say no. You can eat sushi. There's a risk. The fish may be bad. This hits to the heart of a loved one of mine recently. If you turn in a school assignment, there's a risk you might get a bad grade. If you buy that car, there's a risk it might break down. Life is full of risks. There may be no greater risk than the risk of getting married. My father-in-law tells a story about his wedding. They were getting married on this sweltering day outside of Charleston, South Carolina. Everybody in this church was hot and sweaty. It was just gross. And as he stood in the back of the church with his groomsmen and his tuxedo, his best man, who was his brother, walks up next to him. Father-in-law says, what's up? And his brother, who was somewhat of a mischievous fellow, says to him, says, you don't have to do this. I've got a case of beer in the car. We can be in Florida by sunrise. He took that risk in getting married that day. I am personally so glad he did. Life is full of risks. We may try to avoid the risks of life, but eventually we will be forced to take risks. You should remember the immortal words of Michael Jordan. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Our movie today is all about learning to take risks. Finding Nemo begins on the ocean floor where Nemo, who's a clownfish, is about to leave for his first day of school. His father, Marlon, is worried about Nemo going out on his own. If you've never seen the movie, it has a really dark premise. You see, when Nemo was just an egg, he and a hundred of his brothers and sisters were attacked by a barracuda. And he, tragically, his mother and all his siblings died. <laughs> and racked by guilt, Marlon, Nemo's father, promises never to let anything bad ever happen to Nemo. And ironically, by his overprotection of Nemo, it leads to Nemo's capture by a scuba diver. And the rest of the movie follows Marlin's journey to find Nemo. The movie and the story spring out of two real-life experiences that happened to the writer and director Andrew Stanton. You can hear about them on the DVD audio commentary. The first was when he was a boy, Stanton loved to go to the dentist because they had this aquarium, this fish tank, and he loved to look at the fish, and he assumed that all the fish were from the ocean and that all these fish that were in this fish tank, day after day, they longed to go home, to return home to the ocean. And the second memory happened in 1997. Stanton took his young son to the park. And he said he was so overprotective of his son that he said he and his son failed to have an authentic, real father-son experience at the park. He says his overprotection ruined the day. And he said both of these experiences came together and gave him his, the vision for finding Nemo. And one of the great anecdotes I came across was when Andrew was making the pitch to the executives at at Pixar, he gave this hour-long presentation, talked about the themes of the movie, the background of the movie, why people would come and see the movie. By the end of his presentation, they were exhausted. 
And one of the executives turned to Stanton and said, you had me at fish. <laughs> Stanton and the executive were both right. Millions and millions of people around the world have watched this movie. Again and again they've watched it. How do I know this? Because it is the highest selling DVD of all time. The highest selling DVD of all time, 40 million DVDs sold. And why is the movie so compelling? Because it's about fish, partially, but also because it talks about the necessary, the necessary aspect of life, about taking risks, about our desire sometimes to protect, to overprotect those and the things we love. But risk is an inherent part of human life. It's a dilemma we will all wrestle with. In management theory, risk is really divided into two groups. The first has to do with what is called risk assessment. It asks the question, where is the risk? For instance, the cat was doing risk assessment under the tree when she told the dog, you realize I'm taking enormous personal as well as professional risk just being seen with you. It's risky. The second kind of risk is risk management. What do I do with the risk? This is like when standing on the edge of a great chasm, looking at a tiny rope bridge as the blackbird stood on the back of a rhinoceros. He said, go ahead. You have nothing to worry about. This is risky. How am I going to get across in one piece? Where is the risk and what do I do with the risk when I'm confronted with it? Our passage from Proverbs today says that we can take risks because we can trust that though we fall seven times, God will raise us up. Though the righteous fall seven times, God will raise them up. So how do we assess the risk we're called to take? There's this passage in Luke that I love where these folks come to Jesus and they want to follow after him. And Jesus says some surprising unexpected things about the riskiness of following him. For instance, listen to this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, and he gives a proverb. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Saying the Christian life is not as comfortable as first reported. I once heard it said that Jesus came to disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. Some of us feel like coming to church should be like riding an airplane. The air is at the right temperature. We have entertainment at an arm's length. They'll bring you juice and a cracker to your seat. Do you know why they want customer service to be so good on an airplane? Because they want you to forget that you're 10,000 feet in the air in a chair. In church, we make the mistake of the same thing. Oh, church should have some pleasant music. The preacher should tell a, a couple jokes with a heartwarming story. Everything should run on time, just as I expect. And we do this at our peril. We forget that we are doing business, we are in relationship, wrestling with the God of the universe. This is risky business. God comes to challenge our assumptions. God calls us into uncharted waters. God calls us to disturb the comfortable, 
and comfort the disturbed. This is no airplane ride. That's point number one. Jesus goes on. To another, he said, follow me. But this guy said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, this is surprising. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You only have one life to live. Carpe diem, seize the day. Do it now, today. These words from Jesus kind of sound kind of harsh. Oh, this guy's saying, oh, tomorrow I'll start following you. Once I get done with my to-do list. Once I have everything organized in my life. When, when I'm older, when I have more money, when I'm married, when I have kids, when I'm retired. You keep kicking the decision down. And Jesus is saying, make a decision today. So many of us follow Aaron Burr's advice, never do today what can be put off until tomorrow. You'll never get on the road to discipleship, having that full and flourishing life that Christ invites us to if you keep putting it off. Do it today. Make a decision now. Usually here's where I tell a story about Keith Richards, the guitarist for the Rolling Stones, getting sober. But I don't want you to think I'm a one-trick pony. So I'm going to tell you a very similar story, but this story is about Atlanta's, maybe one of their most famous rappers, Gucci Mane. I know you all are huge fans. <laughs> and Gucci tells this story in his autobiography. For almost 10 years, daily he would drink lean. If you don't know what lean is, it comes in a styrofoam cup, has like purple, uh, grape-flavored um, liquid mixed with codeine, okay? It's this opiate codeine. And so one day Gucci finds himself thrown into the Atlanta jail. His bail set at like 130000 He calls his wife, says, could you come bail me out? She says she'll come. She doesn't come. So he's stuck there in jail. And this forces Gucci to get serious about his life. He begins to go through withdrawals from not being able to take the opioid codeine. And he can't get off the toilet for days. And he becomes very scared about this and he goes to the nurse and she says, opiates slow your metabolism. You've been constipated and now you're not. In two and a half weeks, he loses 25 pounds, okay? And as he sobers up, Gucci comes to his senses. And you can go find this Twitter thread. He goes to Twitter. And he publicly, he kind of confesses his sin. He, he apologizes. He apologizes to his, his fans, how he's wronged them. He apologizes to his friends and his family. And most importantly, he apologizes to his wife. And Go, Gucci stayed sober for, I think, almost 10 years now. In that first year, he lost over 100 pounds. In fact, he's kind of become a spokesman for clean living, an unlikely spokesman for like eating walnuts and greens. He's had to come to that moment in his life. Today is when things change, right now. My life will forever be different. And Christ calls us to that. Not tomorrow, but today. Carpe diem, seize the day. Passage goes on. Another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Once you turn to follow Christ, 
There's no turning back. When I mentioned to somebody I was going to be speaking on the theme of risk, she sent me this email. And she said, you know that old English word trothed, where we get the word betrothed? It can be defined as commitment to another even in the face of unknowable risk. Commitment to another even in the face of unknowable risk. That's what risk-taking is like. We've decided to follow Jesus and take that risk. The Presbyterian minister, Bruce Larson, did a nationwide study that was funded by the Lilly Endowment. And he talked to mental health experts all across America. And he asked them this question. What constitutes a mentally healthy person? And he said he found that there were different characteristics mentioned by various experts. But there was one characteristic which appeared on every list, and it was this. Healthy-minded people are risk-takers. Healthy-minded people are risk-takers. Following Christ calls you to a healthy-minded life, to take risks. It's not safe. Jesus at one point says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. But take the risk, even though it's dangerous. Again and again in the, the Gospels, you'll see Jesus again. says, fear not. Do not be afraid. Take the risk. For though they, they fall seven times, they will be raised up. Bruce Larson has this great phrase. He says, the authentic Christian life is lived between trapezes. It's risky. Taking risks will lead to a more full and flourishing life. My wife, we're coming up on our 10th wedding anniversary, and she told me a story about her wedding. I was waiting at the front of the church with our Scott Weimer, my groomsman. The bridesmaids all profess, come and stand. And then at the back of the church, they shut the doors. And right before, right before they're about to open the doors, my wife has her arm around my father-in-law's arm. And he turns to her and he says, you don't have to do this. I've got a case of beer in the, in the car. We can be in Florida by sunrise. And I'm so glad she took that risk coming down that aisle. We're all called to take the risk of following Christ, and he will point us in the direction. Maybe risky loving somebody who doesn't deserve it, showing grace, forgiving. The risks will take various forms at various times. But keep this truth in your hearts, that though they fall seven times, they will rise again. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great promise that though they fall seven times, they will rise again. Lord, you have risen in this world and in our hearts. And so I pray that you might inspire courage in our lives, that we might take that risk in following you. In your name we pray. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.